just trying to figure that out. Do you uh, want me? Do you want me to move? Do you want me to speak softer? No, <laughs> I do not. Especially not like that. <laughs> That's right in my ears, man. <laughs> hey there, listeners. Yeah, I, no one likes that. So many, so many, so many damn books. Hi, I'm Drew. Uh-huh. I'm Christopher. And clearly we have Harry Potter on the brain here at So, so many, many damn, damn books. books. Yeah, um Harry Potter's on the dr- brain. It's on it's I don't think it ever really leaves the news. I think if you it ever, always it hovers. Yeah, if you ever hear um click over to BuzzFeed book, <laughs> I'd say like I'd say 50% a full 50% of what's on there is Harry <laughs> Potter related. Yeah, or like, yeah. At least tangentially in some way. Yeah, it, yeah. Um, Which, hey. That's fine. Yeah. We were talking, uh, you know, off podcast about about uh, the play, uh, The Harry Cursed Potter. Child. I think it's just... Cursed Child? The Cursed Child. I think that's it, right? No, yeah, but I think like... You call it Harry Potter and the Cursed Child? Yeah. Right, mind. doesn't it flow a little? It scans better, like the Shakespearean. Da 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 da. Okay, I am very excited. You are not. Can you? So, somebody else articulated this uh, far better than I was initially articulating it. It feels um, the the greatest thing about the Harry Potter series was that it was immediately accessible to everybody. Okay. And like that was even why I could get behind the movies, which I didn't really like. Mm-hmm. I liked Prisoner of Azkaban, and there are things to like about five, six, seven, and eight. But the thing about that was that like all you had to do was have some like access to a library, right? And you could read those books for free. Oh, okay, I get what you're going. So a uh, uh, two hundred seventy-five dollar ticket to a play that's two. That's well, yeah, and when they split it into two, I was like, okay, no, seriously that's though, only available fuck in you London. guys. Okay, this it's is gonna a, come over here. Like, let's it, all acknowledge that it will come but. over here. Not only that, but as I was betting you, I am sure there will be a film version or something before the decade is out. Well, let me ask you this. And um, also, I'm excited because I think it's an interesting idea. Yeah, although I don't know, I am more worried that it is gonna be dealing with middle-aged dad angst. As much as it is Son of the Chosen One angst, which Son of the Chosen One is interesting, more interesting to me than Harry working at the ministry as as a you know, like just sort of with middle aged ennui and like Hermione and Ron are probably going to get a divorce or at least they're going to be in couples counseling. And no like, way, no way. She her whole thing where she was like, I kind of regret putting them together. Doesn't matter. She didn't write this thing. She was part of it. She wrote the story. I just don't think. Well, there's a lot of maybes yeah. here. I mean, yeah, and it's. I think what they'll do actually. I've been thinking about your thing about filming it. I bet they don't make a filmed version of it. I bet they do. Like I will f- bet it. It will even be stage. NT live. Uh, they'll they'll probably do that. It'd be weird if they didn't. Yeah. But I I think it will lead to a film version. And my thought is that it will. It, eventually a novelization will happen. And I say n- no, <laughs> just never. I mean, I don't, I don't want there to be. No, I just don't think she will. I think she, she very, she, she said there will be no more Harry Potter books. Well, 
And I think she'll stick by that. But do you think that um, publishing the script, which will definitely happen. Of course. Do you think that that... We got in trouble, man. We got in trouble with yeah. the Potter police. <laughs> yeah. They're going to cart you away <laughs> for saying something bad. Yeah. The horrors are coming. I guess <laughs> apparently they drive police cars now. <laughs> it's, it's Harry. <laughs> it's middle-aged Harry being like, you guys. <laughs> What I don't understand about Harry Potter fandom is the weird idea that we own any part of the creation of things. Um, that there's so many things like, Joe, leave Harry alone. And, you know, I wish mm. you would stop talking about... It's just like, that's the silliest thing I've ever heard. An author should be allowed to play in a gigantic playground oh, yeah. no matter what. No one ever said to Terry Pratchett, like, can you leave Discworld alone? Right. No one ever said to J.R.R. Tolkien, like, look, we've all had enough of Middle Earth, buddy. <laughs> we said that to Peter Jackson, but definitely not <laughs> to Tolkien. Not to Tolkien. Um, and, and I think it's silly to think that we have any sort of right to, 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 to look at this gift horse and, and, and say, like, uh, not another one. When, right. When there are so many, there's so much richness to the Harry Potter wizarding world oh, that yeah. was unexplored, which makes me incredibly excited for uh, Fantastic Beasts and yeah. where to find them and Newt's commander and all of that. And, and it also makes me excited that she's writing a new children's book. I know it's not going to be related to Harry Potter at all, right. but yeah, uh, I mean, I'm Cursed Child, I'm excited. Fantastic Beasts, I'm excited. But she's writing a new book. Awesome. Yeah, it's weird. I'm very excited about Fantastic Beasts. Like, I'm very excited in a way that, considering I didn't like those movies, is also weird. Well, but. it is going to be a, a something that we've never had before, right. which is going to go see a movie that's n based just a new story. Right. I have not gotten to see those movies not expecting, like, are they going to mm -hmm. go into Hogsmeade again in the same way? Like, yeah. <laughs> I think that's the other reason why... Fandom can really ruin things. Cursed Child is weird because we like, we know Harry. Right. No, I, and I, I, I agree that it's super weird. Or we think we know Harry. If, if this is you know, 40 years on and, God forbid, uh, Rowling had passed away and someone was just writing you know, like a Sherlock Holmes pastiche, Right, I would feel like one of the very first ideas would be like, I'm going to write Albus's story because that is insane. Speaking of new stories, let's switch gears. What'd you buy? What did you buy? What did I buy? Um, well, I was up in Beacon, New York. There's this uh, bookstore. I can't, I don't remember the name and it might not actually have a specific, like a, like even a sign on it. Um, they have a library cart out front with free books, and then inside it's just like the cheapest bookstore you've ever seen. Um, and, you know, we read Alana Ferrante together, and I wanted to read the other books, but I just haven't had 
the money to to sink into that. And I've been hoping and hoping and hoping to find some used copies mm-hmm. of Alana Ferrante books around. And I weirdly have not been able to find it at all. And yeah. so I had just put the call out into the universe. <laughs> <laughs> like the secret. Yep. And not going to link to that. Lo and behold, right on the shelf, right when I entered that store, was the four books that you had to buy as a set for $10. Yeah. So nice job. You know, the book gods smiled down on me <laughs> and gave me what I asked for. I'm very excited. Um, so I bought that. I'm counting that as one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was my last October buy. I have two books to buy in November. I'm not sure what they'll be. Nice. Uh, but yeah, so that's what I bought. What'd you buy? Um, speaking of J.K. Rowling, oh, I bought the new Robert Galbraith. Oh, uh, her friend Robert Galbraith. Career of Evil. Great title. Oh my God, so good. Um, I'm All very of them much kind of have good titles. They really do. The yeah. Silkworm. She's great with characters too. Character names. Are Cormoran just, Strike. Yeah. God, the English are great. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm very excited about it. A lot of people, if you if you disregard every major critical review of it that spends half of it being like, do you know she also wrote those Harry Potter books that the kids loved? Right. I like that they think they have to remind us of that. Oh, man. But a lot of um, non-major reviews or blog reviews and Twitter people have have said that um, they feel like the series is really hitting its stride. Oh, that's cool. And I I very much enjoyed those first two books, so I'm uh, excited to see... And she said that it's the scariest stuff she's ever written. That's exciting too. That's that feels like a pretty high benchmark, to be honest. Right. Um, that's great. Although I guess like dismembered bodies are. A you bit got rid of twenty five books, didn't you say? I did last night. I was I felt sort of itchy when I got home, and I've been meaning to do it for a while because my to read stack was tipping over one hundred and eighty, and I was feeling uncomfortable about it. Sure. Um. So yeah, I did that, and I'm. I'm not sure that I'm going to hold myself to the two a month thing that you are, but I'm I'm trying to get back to my thing of not buying something unless it like I really really yeah know a lot about it, it yeah and I'm like yeah I another one of my people ru- want to send me books that's and, you know, I can't do anything about that but yeah and and also please don't stop <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, no but I definitely there's something that I kind of think about is like. If I bought this book, is it so exciting to me that I would literally put down what I'm reading now mm-hmm. or read it next and jump the queue? Yeah. Um, if so. Which, I mean, Career of Evil is kind of going to do. My next book, I'm currently reading the the last Discworld book, which made me start bawling on the train this morning. Mm. Um, next is A Little Life, which I will oh. not let anything jump. Okay. Oh yeah, a little life. You got chastised for for from everyone. But here's the thing: you never said you weren't going to read it. I know, I know. <laughs> that's really weird. Um, um, yeah, yeah. I'm excited for you to read that book. I'm really, I really want to talk about it with you. Um, you know, selfishly, I'm very excited to talk about that book <laughs> with you. Um, we'll do. We'll we'll dedicate a special epper epper episode. Epper episode. Yeah, that's that's what we call our non-standard episodes. No, we do not. <laughs> Speaking of standard episodes, uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about 
rock biographies. Yeah, so standard for us. Yeah. Um, but we read uh, Carrie Brownstein's Hunger Makes Me a Modern Girl. Yeah. Um, which was excellent. I'm going to yeah. just say that right off the bat. It's, it was, it's not at all what I was expecting. Um, it's, it's really dense for how short it is. It felt short. Yeah. It, I mean, I think to some extent it feels short because there's a whole period of time that she doesn't go into. Right. Um, and she, but she condenses like her life. Her down. early life is like a chapter and a half. Um, and Which is great. One, some of the best early life writing I've yeah. really ever read. I mean, she's just very good at, at, at breaking things down. And, and I guess I shouldn't be surprised. She's a good writer as a songwriter and she's a good writer as a comedy writer. Mm-hmm. But I, that, that doesn't always translate. Right. So I was, I was going into this not even really sure what I wanted because I, I don't count myself as like a diehard uh, Slater Kitty fan either. When did you, do, do you remember the first time you found the band? Yeah, I, it was in college and it was when The Woods came out. It was like my freshman year of college, I think. And, um, you know, it was UC Santa Cruz where kind of, you know, they're, it's kind of like a perfect album for there. Yeah. It is called The Woods. <laughs> woods right on campus all over the place. You have to walk through them to get to class. And so I was, and I was also working at, you know, I was interning at a college radio station and at KZSC. And so when I was reading like the stuff where she was like, we were one of the last like college radio bands. I was like, yeah, you kind of were. Yeah. And there was just a lot of that, like, I just wanted to, this is something that I feel like might be a reading comprehension question. Um, but I was curious, like, do you listen to music while you read? I used to a mm-hmm. lot when I, there are, and there are certain ongoing series like Terry Brooks's Shannara series. Uh, I still listen to, I don't even remember the name of the actual record, but that vertical horizon record that had like everything you want. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. That's so funny. These are the pairings. Like that's what I was thinking about when I was. I was I'm reading Carrie Brownstein's book and like all I have because of a problem with my <laughs> my iTunes and my iPhone connecting um all I have is like Justin Bieber and Selena Gomez singles and I'm just like I don't think that's what she would approve of me listening to while Yeah, I was going to say we're going to hold for a second while the listener judges. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I know. There's something weird about the fact that largely the stuff that she's talking about takes place before we are conscious of what's happening. Right. Cause I didn't come to, uh, they had already broken up when I first heard the woods, I was in college mm-hmm. and I remember being like, wow, I really love this record. And whoever like the smarmy senior was, was like, uh, they broke up. Yeah. You missed like, oh. it. You missed it. Yeah. You know, and there, there, I definitely, this is one of these books that actually makes me feel like I did miss out. Like, being a fan of theirs seems like it was incredibly rewarding because there was a lot of they brushed up against uh, against success and like fame, 
but never quite like they were always divisive. And she talks about that too, about like being a divisive band and yeah. how she well, sort of really liked of, like, that. Time magazine calling them the best rock band in the world and them getting a copy of that and they're like loading the van themselves and they're like, We are? <laughs> yeah. Sounds <All> right. cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there was there are so many great moments too, and it's just she talks about being on tour and, and one that's actually some of the great passages of the book is her descriptions of tour. Yeah. Like um the loft that they the like or sat's <laughs> loft the they yeah. built in the back of the van for them to both like lock up um their gear and sleep in sometimes. Yeah. Um and it's so funny too that it's not that funny. Like I, I was expecting it to be like to go for the joke a couple more times. Yeah. But the it made the moments when she did like throw a punchline in amazing. Cause yeah. Cause you almost at that point, you're not expecting them and they slide in and you're like, Oh <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, I felt like I really, I got to, I really felt like I got to know her. Yeah. It, it, which is, I think a very interesting thing because she makes it very clear throughout the book that she's a very introverted person. And like her, her music is an opportunity for her to like push out, but also she talks a lot about grappling sort of with the like wanting to express, but also the weirdness Mm -hmm. of that and like how to do that um, and how to like live in the character that you are on stage. And then like when you get off stage, you kind of like just want to go home and not talk to anybody. I can imagine that some like gearheads are like cringing at some of the things she's talking about where <laughs> the, she's like, you know, we recorded our albums, just like one guitar, one sound like, Oh my God. I mean, that blew my mind. Cause I don't, you and I are both musicians, uh, to, I'm, yeah, to, to differing extents. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, we both, we've played in bands. We understand what's going on. And I mean, the bands that I've played in and the, music, the stuff that I play, like it might not be much that, that settings are changing. Right. But like this song, if it's like slow or whatever, you're like, Oh yeah, maybe I want to like pump the treble up a little bit. So it's got a nice twang or like this song is going to take two distortion pedals. Right. And she's just like, we didn't even have distortion. Pedals yeah. They're sometimes. just, <laughs> and they, she says it a couple of times for multiple records. And I went back while I was reading the book and was listening mm-hmm. to some of those records on Spotify. And I was like, Oh man, these songs do sound different, even mm. though the settings are the exactly the same. Yeah, and they're—I don't know—they're. It's—it's it's an interesting, um, you know, memoir. It's a memoir. It right? is. I think the it's that's what officially it's, subtitled memoir. Yeah. Um, I, it's an interesting memoir because even if you're not a fan of of Slater Kinney, I feel like you can really be a fan of this book because she's really like sort of illuminating these like dark dank basements that she played Mm -hmm. in and it often felt novelistic the only thing that made it not feel novelistic was the way she sort of folded memories back yeah into like that she'd go through a story and then you'd hear about a character or some motion or some like time period that she sort of skimmed over and then she'd go back 10 years in the next chapter which i thought was a really incredible writing choice oh very cool i i don't i mean that must be in some way just how it came out Mm -hmm. i feel like because i don't think that it's something that you can edit you could have edited or an editor could have shaped yeah because that would have taken a lot and it's a it's a weird enough choice right it just seems like that's how she told these stories i don't know i 
it's fascinating. There is an element, and and there's an element of nothing short of storytelling too. Mm-hmm. Like when she facts that I did not know about Slater Kinney that like she and Corin were dating when mm-hmm. the band got started, and that that is it's barely mentioned until they break up. Right. And there's like a couple of paragraphs about how they like the weirdness of being in a band together, and it, it comes back later, like as Corin. It's one gets of these things that gets things. folded, yeah. But that that feels like such a strong narrative choice of not talking about the very like because you could write a whole book about just that, right? And I think that there's you know some there's some things that it's just like oh that's that's too personal and it's mm-hmm. too much like only w- partly her story, so she couldn't really tell it. So she could tell the parts that were felt like just her story. Yeah. And I feel like that was really economically done and, and also just like heartbreaking where you, you feel like there's these spaces, there's this gigantic story. It's an iceberg effect mm-hmm. where you're like, there's just so much under the surface here. But the way that she evokes that, it makes you feel like you did get to see underneath the water in a little bit. And yeah, you, can, you could look down over the side. And yeah. So I, I guess also the music too. They're right. Like, there is the music. And, yeah. and it... I mean, I'm I'm walking away from this with a nice long list of of bands and things to check out to sort oh of like man. yeah to sort of blow out my understanding of the scene. Well, it's I find it very strange too to be listening to uh, No Cities to Love, the latest Slater Kenny record, and having come to that first essentially. Like I listened to The Woods in college, but I w- I didn't have it. I like had a couple songs from it. With that record and being like, oh man, I love this record. This reminds me. Let me work my way back. Mm-hmm. And how how different it is, right? And and now seeing sort of the trajectory that got them to this place and how it has almost felt like they've always been on a trajectory right. to, if not this record, a record like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like it's fascinating to see that that trajectory right and i mean i think it speaks to the the thing i was i was trying to say earlier and i don't think i said it completely right but just like like the fans that did know that corn and her dated Mm -hmm. and like getting a little bit more behind the scene just like i feel like they were just the most like this for people who are deeply deep fans of slater kinney and the scene that it must just be amazing there's there's a great little moment where they're um touring europe and um Janet is uh, their drummer in the car with them. And she's talking about saying like, you got to throw that mixtape out, you know? Yeah. You know? And she's like, there's this, the drummer is dating this guy and she's like, get it out of the car, throw it out the window. And she finally does. And like, after this story, she drops like the guy that made her that mixtape was Elliot Smith. Yeah. <sighs> and right? she's just like that. I think about that tape all the time. <laughs> Yeah, that's crazy. It's those little things that just really make this this book really worthwhile. And if you were if you were ever a kid that were was making mixtapes or found yourself in friends' basements listening to a bad band play, I feel like or a lot of this is. Or if you were in a basement band, like as I didn't get to do that in school, and I always really wanted to. Right. I mean, like I played with friends a couple of times in school, but it was never as fulfilling as that that garage band thing that I always wanted. And that like the. She's not going into like, this is what our amp settings were when right. we recorded this thing. But in a way, it almost feels more honest. The like description of, yeah, I, like music saved my life. Right. And then I had to like, music was going to kill me. 
And then I realized that like, oh wait, like m- music will always be, there was just something beautiful about the way that music is always a part of, and for a lot of people, I feel like that for myself, like that sense that music is an intrinsic part of your life and mm-hmm. you have to figure out how to find that balance as you do with anything. Right. I think. Um, yeah. I just think, uh, I think that you, you walk away from this book with an understanding of a very specific type of artistry. Yeah. Um, and you, she doesn't go into Portlandia at all. I'm just going to put that right out there, which I gotta be honest. I was very thankful for. I mean, I, I think Portlandia is great, but it, it, this book is about music. Right. And I think that it, it, in, 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 in a great way, she's really left herself wide open to write a, 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 a sequel or a, a, just another memoir. Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't know, maybe we're the first people to say this, but I feel like um, there could be some parallels between her and Patti Smith. Yeah, I don't think we're the first people no. to say that. <laughs> but that's, you know, where Just Kids was the traditional memoir about like a period of time and, and it, it jumps forward a little bit and moves around, but it's very much about this thing. Right. And then the next book, you know, comes at other things tangentially and it's not necessarily like the sequel to right it's just sort of a, a another book right i don't think that her next book you're gonna have to read hunger makes me a modern girl to understand right um but you all she's should just a, she's it's just great a, yeah it's just great so gets the so many damn books uh gold medallion is that uh, like on two dots where they give you the little I was thinking um, of actually like putting a medallion on a book and it would just like sort of slide off because there's nothing to hold it. Yeah, yeah just, there's nothing to really... It just feels more in the So Many Damn Books <laughs> aesthetic of just like, oh. It's like... That's, the, that's Yeah, hers. you and I just looking down at it like, oh. That's, yeah, that does feel right. And it's made out of chocolate. <laughs> it's actually chocolate. It's, it's, it's guilt. <laughs> Do we want to talk about something before recommendations? Marlon James. Oh, right. Won the Booker oh, Prize. Oh, the Booker Prize. Uh, for what I think has to be one of the more divisive books that... Well, it had it had longer odds, according to... Um, I guess people bet on book prizes in England. They do. Which it's is awesome. incredible. And the, and the short odds were on, uh, on A Little Life 3 to 1. I think it was 3 to 1 A Little Life. Um, the Fisherman, I think, was... Better odds than... I think so. That's interesting. Well, or regardless, about the same. Yeah, I, I, I was, I really, I think I even have it on record that I was pretty sure that it was going to be a little life or. Um, I didn't see how you could choose, like any of the other books besides those two. Right, they're both about ambition and and achievements in storytelling and are formally inventive and are trying to do something new and different and, you know. I'm glad that um, I'm glad that a brief history of Seven Killings won. I I think that like anything that can make that book find the audience that it's right for is amazing. Yeah, and I'm sure it's going to be translated way more. And I feel really bad for those translators. <laughs> and um, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm very happy that the Booker didn't go to an American. Yeah, just because well. I still feel weird about the idea of the Booker being open to all English speaking novelists. Um, I'm sure Yana Gahara will win some award and it'll be fine for her. 
Yeah, I mean, well, the money is. I think it's 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 not safe money because you're not going to make any money if you bet on her for the National Book Award. Right. Um, although I could see Fates and Furies as a dark horse. Mm-hmm. But. Um, okay, so that's that's enough of that. Recommendations. What do you recommend? Um, seeing as I just spent the last month reading pretty much only spooky or weird things. Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, the first one is sort of taking off of I, what I think was your one of your last recommendations. Um, you have talked a lot about Kelly Link's Get in Trouble. Oh, it's so good. Which is a great collection. But I want to recommend her earlier collection, oh, Magic for Beginners. Oh, okay. Um, I was going to say the very earliest. Continue. Because uh, I just read Get in Trouble, and while I really enjoyed it, it didn't have the like shot through entire, I just can't put it down magic of Magic for Beginners. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you need an entry point into Kelly Link, I recommend Magic for Beginners. And then you can see how get in trouble she's trying new things. I understand that. Um, yeah. Also, she's just awesome. She's just awesome. Yeah. Oh man. And then uh, my other recommendation, which you should all save until next October, but is um, a night in the lonesome October by a guy named Rogers uh, Zelazny. Uh-huh. Uh huh. He's like you know one of those sci-fi fantasy writers. Yeah, he's back one in of, the day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But this, it's it's kind of pastiche It's kind of funny. It's written from the point of view of a dog. So like A-plus already. Yeah. Uh, I love books written by, from a dog's point of view. One chapter a day for every day of October uh-huh. leading up to this this game that is sort of left mysterious the whole time. But like Frankenstein is a character. Sherlock Holmes is in it. Jack the Ripper. All under different names. Like The Great Detective. The good doctor, mm. the count. Um, Interesting, but it's like it's just it is just like pulpy not, fun. Yeah, it's not trying too hard to do anything, but it's like it's just delightful. That sounds great. Yeah. How about you? Um, I'm only gonna recommend one thing. Also, pretty Octobery, but I think it works for fall. Um, and it's just Alex Mars, which is up America. Yeah. Which is just, just great. Just exactly what you would hope from reading a nonfiction book about modern witchcraft would be um she's she inserts herself in yeah it. it's all it's it's like gonzo journalism version of and it's great because if you're a skeptic um it's written from a skeptic's perspective mm-hmm. she even when she's like she even at one point like has a vision during a pagan ritual she straight up is like ah. and she's like i don't know <laughs> she still is just like I'm not sure about what just happened to me. Right. And I I I completely understand that and I I can see why a healthy skepticism would help in this endeavor, but every chapter is interesting and she's throwing herself in all different sects and there's so many very fascinating things that she tries like she tries a sort of witchcraft by email course. <laughs> yeah. Um, which sounds much, which is much more serious than that. What's then that then phrase would sound? Implies, yeah. yeah. Um, and there's just a lot of things that makes you 
just think that the universe is much more strange and unknowable than we can ever even define. Yeah, that necromancy chapter. Oh my god, is one of the most fascinating and horrifying. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, uh, witches of America. Do you, Alex um, Mar, go for it. We could uh, we could do Slater Kinney songs right now. Do Slater Kitty songs? Yeah, like <laughs> One of my favorite fan theories ever. And it's not Darth Jar Jar? No. Okay. Stop. Um is uh is the idea that JK Rowling Misa Evil I'm <laughs> oh, sorry I couldn't resist. Cutting that out. For sure. Yeah, <laughs> what was I saying? Fan theory. I did, that actually also was. Um. <laughs> <laughs>